That's new, right? That's also that's brand new. Okay. <laughs> it's not currently plugged in though cuz we don't have enough plugs. Oh, okay. And it doesn't stretch to that thing. Um I definitely was like, "Oh, that looks new, but don't say anything because <laughs> you are bad what at if that." You're <laughs> so many so many so many damn books. Welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Ruth Curry in the Damn Library with us today. Hi. Ruth Hello. is a writer and an editor and a good tweeter. Oh man, that's like so, <laughs> so, that's the best thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> uh, and uh, you're she's also uh, people who follow the tournament of books will know that she is one of the judges uh, yes, from indeed. from this past tournament. And uh, it's very exciting. Very, I was so excited to be selected. Yeah, and uh, thank you for, so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Why? Why don't we uh, kick off with the drink here? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about this drink. I keep feeling like it's gonna tip over. Yeah, well, it, there's a lot of lime going on. Here. Well, I like it, but the the lime is sort of a, a tie-in to um, the book w- that you brought for us, the friend. It's supposed to be like a tennis ball. I just <laughs> I just figured that out. It's just really that's very clever. I'm calling it the fetch, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's very floral uh, and and Stop springy. Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, JK, this is a great drink. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have this a Downton Abbey blend um, Earl Grey vanilla tea, and so where'd you get that? Santa gave it to me. Oh, okay, all right. Um, <laughs> and it's delicious as it's just a tea, but it's fantastic as a simple syrup um, infusion. So I start there, and then I went creme de violette, which is one of my favorite things that I never know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gin, and there's also a talicus in this, which is a bergamot um, liqueur. That's pretty new, really beautiful bottle. And then um, I muddled up some strawberries in there, put some lime juice and seltzer. And so this is what, this is a, a lot of overkill maybe, but it's like delicious. It's like, it's like running through a field in Prospect Park. Yeah, it's springtime. It's springtime. Thank goodness. Yeah. I agree. Not a minute too soon. It, also, <laughs> it doesn't even taste like gin, which is like, I when you said it was gin, I was like, uh-oh, I should have maybe said that I don't drink gin, but this is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many other things than the gin yeah. Yeah. that uh, you wouldn't even know. Yeah, I just kind of overdid it in college on gin. Really? Me too. I really did. <laughs> no joke. But, wow. But this is delicious. Um, yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah, so the fetch. But let's, uh, before we jump all the way to the friend, um, why don't we talk about what did you buy? Drew, do you want to start? Yes, I will. Um, the other day, I guess it's a couple weeks ago now, on Twitter, uh, Maria Headley, who's got a book coming out from MCD later this year called The Mirror Wife that I'm very excited about. Mm. She did just like a quick, super enthusiastic recommendation tweet storm about Mrs. Caliban by Rachel Ingalls, mm. which I have wanted to get for a while. It came out from New Directions last year, I guess. And it's like a, a housewife at home in the suburbs and like a frogman is on the loose from some <laughs> government institution and shows up at her house. 
and she's like a sexually repressed 50s housewife mm. and i guess like hijinks ensue it's super short it has like a weird green kermity cover but i like saw this tweet storm and i was like yeah i think this book is exactly my kind of thing so i went out to community and i bought it that afternoon frogman yeah he's jumping through all sorts of books oh yeah and the movies mm-hmm. uh-huh all over yeah wow uh ruth how about you uh i mean i kind of hate to confess this but i don't buy a lot of books i get a lot of <laughs> books from the library oh cool um i actually got our reading dark book from the library but um um your your giveaway pile had census um in it uh by jesse ball who uh as we were talking about before i read a cure for suicide a year or two ago and i just really 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 loved it and um as, 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 everything i've read about this has made me think like oh my god i have to read it right away so now i get to i'm cool. super excited um, yeah it does sound really good uh all right christopher um i uh you know i follow the trends <laughs> And bought uh, The Perfect Nanny by Layla Slimani. Oh, I read the first two pages of that in a bookstore. And um, I think it's, I, I want to read more of it. It seems amazing. Totally bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can't, you know, it's it's being pitched as the next Gone Girl, which um, a, a lot of books are pitched like, oh, I see a, you have a novel in your hands. That's the next Gone Girl. It has a <laughs> twist uh, in it. Yeah. Uh, this actually, you know, does feel like it might be Gone Girl-esque. Um, and the French Gone Girl is what it was pitched as because it is Ooh. translated. So let's see how I'm very excited to see how it goes. Cool. Yeah. And it's short too. I love a short thriller. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Let's, let's talk about your reading life, Ruth. How's, I mean, I, you're an editor, you're a writer. You, uh, also read for fun. It seems like it's, it's, it does seem that way sometimes. Um, <laughs> I uh, I read a lot of manuscripts um, for Emily books, and I've been reading a lot of that kind of work recently, which is, um, you know, you kind of approach that with a, well, you definitely approach that with a different mindset than something that's already been, you know, printed, bound, and like put in your hands. Um, and I'm in a writing group, so I read a lot of my peers work one of my friends uh in my group just finished her memoir so i've been reading that and it's mm, so good cool. wow. you guys should have her come on her name is jean edelstein and her book is called um this really isn't about you and it's coming out in august cool it's a great Ooh, memoir she's amazing she's really like very well read interesting person well let's check it out yeah um and then i kind of it's i'm just trying to think of how i figure out what i want to read next I have like a I have this notebook and I keep a list of stuff that like I've seen reviewed that sound inter sounds interesting or up my alley, but honestly, it's mostly um, books that my friends have written <laughs> or <laughs> recommendations <laughs> from friends, or I'll get into like a groove with a specific author and then mm. I'll just kind of read a lot of their stuff. So um, I've been reading a lot of Anita Bruckner recently because someone mm. recommended Ooh, cool. um, Look at Me. And it like was devastating. And so then I just started reading like everything of hers I could get my hands on. Um, do you find that there's like a gear switch that you have to do between like, you're like done with reading, like work reading for the day and you're like, okay, I'm going to read something else. Or do you just not even do that? I don't really, th I mean, I, because I've been working and publishing basically my entire adult life and reading manuscripts of, has been part of my reading life since I was like 22. Mm. It doesn't, I don't think I really have a, 
Yeah, I, I guess it's different. There is a difference. Like when I'm reading a manuscript, I'm definitely like thinking more about like, how would I edit this? Mm-hmm. Um, that still happens sometimes when I read a finished book, but then I'm just like, oh, someone did a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, anyway, so that's what I think. <laughs> curious to know a little bit more about Emily Books mm-hmm. and so it's it started as an e-bookstore right exactly and then you and Emily Gould you teamed up with Coffee House yes um what what has it been like to start reading with that editorial eye well I think one of the things that we kept in I mean all of our Emily books are like a special child in my heart but um <laughs> one of the things that we would to kind of keep encountering is these books that were like so good um but clearly hadn't been given sort of like the right I don't know like birth experience kind of <laughs> um a lot of a lot of stuff that we were like well this didn't seem to really get edited as well as it could have or like the publicist really dropped the ball on this like um that's probably the biggest difference is like being more um more involved in the like you know the actual creation of the work rather than the you know being sort of a cheerleader for its continued reception so is there something that you look for like you're like oh emily books needs this right now Mm -hmm. do you have to do more of that it's it's that's an interesting question i mean because i think what we're, we're always kind of looking for the same thing which is not the same thing but like there are things that sort of like tick our boxes which is like is it funny? Is it like doing something transgressive with like gender or female identity or sexuality or storytelling? Um, is it uh, kind of talking about things that most people would rather not talk about? Um, so, for instance, like uh, I just read um, Manhattan Beach, which mm-hmm. is like a good book but it's not an emily book you know mm-hmm. it's like it's like a very well executed work of historical fiction right so um i'm not sure if i'm answering your question <laughs> i guess it's more um that you like you have to direct your taste more when you're at work yes exactly yeah because there's a certain yes there's a certain aesthetic that mm-hmm. we're trying to um we're trying to kind of promote and uh and like get out there do you want to bring this to something specific like something you worked on recently that that you really loved that's going to come out soon uh our most recent title is called mean by miriam gerba which is um a sort of a we kind of called it a non-fiction novel it's a memoristic um kind of exploration of uh true crime and sexual assault and um like rape culture um that's also really funny it's very hard to pitch this book <laughs> <laughs> um but uh that because the way it plays with form and the way that it mixes like really devastatingly disturbing and like violent and upsetting material with like stupid puns and really funny jokes is that's like totally like an emily books thing um and uh so that's uh, that's something that I was that's out now. Can get it in a bookstore near you. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, that I would approach more with that 
that when I read that book, it was like, obviously, like, this is something that we would do. And it's just been and it's and you know, some of this is the timing of the publication, it came out in November. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's been really gratifying to see it received in the way that like, it totally deserves to be received. have um a fantastic tiny letter oh thank you coffee and tv uh, it, i feel like tiny letter i've i've seen like think pieces popping up in the last couple of months it feels like there's this moment where people are turning to sort of a, like a public journal thing right yeah it's like it's like live journal but like a little bit cooler like right. everything old is new again yeah yeah, yeah. like we're the blog is coming back yeah we're coming back to wordpress and like zanga yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. zanga we're jumping from wordpress all <laughs> the, <way back. laughs> the reason i started that tiny letter is because i was like suffering from terrible terrible writer's block and i was like you just need to like start doing something like it doesn't have to be a big deal it doesn't have to be perfect just like write it and get it out there and um i chose the and i chose the the theme because like I like both of those things a lot, A. And B, like, it does, like, hardly a day passes where I don't consume one or the other. So it's a, it's a good um, jumping off point into, like, if I want to talk about other stuff. Sometimes I just really do keep it to, like, the show and coffee, but, like, sometimes I, I, I write about a bunch of other things. I, I think that um, what's appealing to me about Tiny Letter is that um, there's an element to it of people. Uh, I guess it feels like if you've taken the trouble to subscribe, then you actually like kind of care about what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes it feel, I guess, a little safer than just like being, I mean, I had a Tumblr for a long time. I mean, I, I think I've been on everything. Like I had a Tumblr, yeah. I had like a WordPress blog, I had a blogger blog, like, um, and I haven't had like horrible, horrible experiences like so many women have, but, um, there's something about it being like people opt into it and mm-hmm. it's content that gets like they, they, they pull to themselves rather than it's just out there that makes it feel um I guess a little more intimate maybe yeah it also for me was a way to kind of talk about my life with my friends who don't live here in New York because mm-hmm. I, I totally I and it so I kind of think of them as my audience well, especially um, now that, like, I'm sorry uh, to interrupt, but the like Instagram and Facebook, like these things that were used to be like very nice platforms for this type of thing, like they now no one will get people who you would hope to read something would never get your update of whatever it is just because of the the way that the feed is is fitting right. to totally, you. totally. Can I swear on this? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you don't see things. I'm from like, thanks your for deep showing friends. me that post yeah. I liked three days ago. Yeah. It's really helpful. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. But, so I do think that it's cool that it it, it actually does attack that or, or mm-hmm. come at it from that space. Well, I want to talk about the friend. Yeah. Speaking of writing. Yeah. I this is the I, I texted Drew. I, I was reading this. I'm like, this is the bookiest book that's ever booked. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> yeah. I really went. I went in being like, okay, dog book. Mm-hmm. This it's gonna be sad. It's the dog and the thing, and it's gonna be like the you know the hijinks of this woman having this big dog in a tiny apartment. 
and it's like it's a writing book mm-hmm. that happens to feature a dog yeah yeah um do you want to tell our listeners what it's what it's actually about or sure i'll do my best summary so the friend is about um a a a woman the narrator is a woman who's probably i would say in her late 50s early 60s um and she's a writer and a writing teacher and um one of her closest friends who is also a writer and she was originally his student um commits suicide and uh she is asked out to coffee by his third wife this friend is a serial womanizer which is like kind of played for laughs and for like some pretty thoughtful moments especially given our contemporary climate yeah um so his third wife asks her out for coffee and says you know he wanted you to have this dog and she's like what the fuck like <laughs> i i have a rent controlled apartment that can't doesn't allow dogs this is a huge and it's an enormous dog it's an enormous dog it's like i think she says at one point it's 180 pounds mm-hmm. um what kind of dog is it it's a great dane a great dane um there are two types of Great Danes, and it's one I forget which. It's like the bigger one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, gigantic dog. And um, you know, she basically feels like she has to take it. Um, and so then the you know, the the rest of the book is sort of like her remembering her relationship with her friend, and um then sort of like the dog becomes her friend too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and the a lot of you know related meditations on writing and the writing life and being a writer does writer does writing bring you pleasure or pain is it for catharsis is it for self-expression is it for showing off like yeah there's a there's a lot of um both she and her friend were teachers and like there's a a lot of funny it's it's like a it's almost a um academia novel too yeah Yeah. there's a lot of you know complaining about students (laughs) um i i and I just thought it was, I mean, like I said, if I hadn't read Keith's book, this would have been like by far and away the best book I've read in the past six months. Oh, I just loved I it so much. Yeah, it was yeah. really nice. It was super. And I'm like a pre-existing fan, but like, I just hmm. thought this was, um, it was amazing. Is this, it, I, this is the first Sigrid Nunez book I've ever read. Me too. Um, What's the some of her other stuff yeah what's is, does this fit in her other stuff like well or yeah, is this like no, a it departure? Do, totally i mean she writes a lot about um i've read so this is she's re- she's written probably like six or seven books and I, this is the third of hers that i've read um and we actually featured her um memoir about susan sontag as an emily book oh, way cool. back in the day it was like our third pick um and it's called sombre susan it's really good um, so that's about like, you know, a charged relationship with a really charismatic mentor. <laughs> um, and then she wrote this novel in 2005 called The Last of Her Kind, which is about these two women who meet at Columbia in like the late 60s. And one of them kind of goes full on SDS and the other um, has uh, there's a lot of like class conflict. So the one who's like it becomes like super radicalized as like a from a very wealthy background and Mm -hmm. then her friend who's from a much more like you know like normal background uh it's kind of like whoa like what are you doing and she's also kind of trying to take care of her sister who has a mental illness and like all of this is sort of bubbling together but it's the kind of the same theme of like this friend you're obsessed with basically Mm. um so in that sense, I think it fits really well in the rest of her work. There's a lot of, um, it sort of reminded me, 
there's this type of book uh, or reading experience that I've encountered a few times now of just like, here's all the stuff I'm, I've been thinking about mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, it reminded me a little bit of Department of Speculation by Jenny yeah, Offel totally. or a lot of Maggie Nelson's work mm-hmm. of just like, oh yeah, that reminds me of this academic thing. That reminds me of like this pop culture thing that I'm going to look through the, through the lens at it. And it's it's exciting too because like if you find someone's mind interesting, totally. you're really like willing to just jump like, okay, let's talk about this type of dog and jump over to that. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's talk about Kaf- Kafka's relationship to dogs. Like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's a novel. It says so on the front. Um, but there's, you know, it's not really signaling genre a lot. Yeah. I would say. And like the way it's divided into parts to me seemed like pretty. I, I, I mean, I read it quickly because I was enjoying it so much. Maybe if I reread it, it would make more. I would see more of the thematic. Like the parts would seem more like thematically important or whatever. Right. But um, yeah, right. it also see... just seemed like you could read it. I did read it straight through and yeah. it wasn't like, oh, here's a new part or anything like that. Yeah, but it felt like it was like the last two parts, which sort of, they felt distinct to me. Mm. I think it's the last check. two. The, the the last one is sort of like a beautiful the summation house. of the whole novel. Yeah. The, I think it's the second to last one. Christopher, you and I were talking about this earlier, is it's this very strange like break Oh yes, in the novel where it, I don't think I don't think it's I'm, giving anything away to well, just say that like it challenges right. the, your consideration of whether or not this is autobiographical. Yeah, it challenges totally. your considerations of what is true and what is not. Well, yeah, and what I said to you right, and you knew exactly what I was talking about. I was like, I want to talk about the reveal chapter, and you turned and you gave me a the maybe reveal chapter. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. When I read it, I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well um but it was so cool well and i often um i remember there there's a similar thing that happens in um kevin barry's Beetlebone. yes that's exactly um, what i thought of but in kevin barry's Beetlebone, i was like i hate this now and mm-hmm. i wish this didn't happen and i don't like this book anymore yeah. um <laughs> and i didn't want to continue reading it. it happens in the very smack middle of the book mm-hmm. um and this one for some reason maybe because it came closer to the end and also what felt like, oh, am I revealing something or am I not? Yeah. Uh, because of the way that she wrote it, it wasn't just like, oh, here's a different way to think of this book that I've written. It's like, oh, here's another sort of strange thing. Mm-hmm. Like a sort of slipstream, like the other version of this novel sort of yeah. slips in for a second. Yeah. Yeah. It was very satisfying, which I don't know why this worked and the other one didn't because they are so of a piece Right. I wonder if the payoff here comes from the fact that she spends time talking about autofiction and she spends time talking about autobiography mm. and like and parsing it, it almost feels it feels like really a, earned. I mean, yeah. to use like a writing workshop trope, <laughs> but like it, 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 I think, you know, the placement especially helps with that. Um, and it's like kind of a different I like that it's sort of like an alternate ending in a mm-hmm. way. Um, it's just, yeah, like you were saying, it's like kind of a bizarro version of the same story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and um, another little bizarro thing that keeps happening and and it's only in moments where she's alone with the dog and she does say like, I told other people that this happened and they're like, eh, you dreamed it. Um, 
you know, where the dog like picks up a book and like brings it to her and mm-hmm. asks her to read it or like tr- pulls the blanket onto her um, are b- moments where you're not sure of the reality of this. You just know that like they're getting closer and closer and it doesn't really even matter because she obviously believes that this is true and it happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And I also love that that moment comes with a Knausgaard book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that the dog ate the Knausgaard book. <laughs> yeah. And then that she was bought another amazing. one. I know. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, oh no, don't, <laughs> do, don't, don't do it again. <laughs> uh, That's a pretty good meta joke. I mean, I think that, and like, it's also like the specter of sex, like, totally haunts this book because of the nature of her friend. Right. Yeah, that's and she does say uh, there was her this friend, m- the human. Yeah. I know, right? That's another clever thing. It's like, who is the friend? That's like my favorite trick when I like hadn't done the reading in school was like, well, let's think about the title. Like, who, who is the friend in this book? Is it a dog? Is it her friend? Anyway. Um, Was the treasure island in their soul the whole time? <laughs> um, uh, I wish I had marked the line, but like she she says that at one point they did sleep together once mm-hmm. and that he says we should know what it's something like we should know each other in this way. Or oh, we yeah. Should it's know- like we should we should. um know this about each other or something or like we should figure this out about each other something like that which feels like a figure it out it was like this is just like for us to really be friends we have to know this this yeah in one way it is like the sleaziest worst pickup line of like hey person i've been friends with who i am maybe also sexually attracted to what's up yeah let's right let's get this out of the way we were both thinking (laughs) (laughs) but there was something about it that was like kind of i you know he is sleazy but was also like kind of convincing like maybe we should know this about each other if we're gonna be friends not that i mean now that i say that out loud i'm like (laughs) i actually don't want to have sex with any of my friends but like that's um i don't know it's it's interesting it did make me think of of i have one really really good friendship with somebody who i dated for a little while and we were like that i mean that was that was fun but our friendship is so much stronger than it ever would have been if we had tried to stay in a relationship mm-hmm. right and I, it made me think of that and that thing where like weirdly yeah it, that line can be convincing if it's the right two people we're like we do need to just figure this out we yeah. need to see like what's up with this mm-hmm. in order to keep everything else or just like, what are you like? It's who, what, is, what are you like as this person? Yeah. It's like, so it's so intimate, right? So, like, um, I don't know. It's just like, it's really weird, but also like kind of, kind of convincing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was, it was. And I'm gonna you know, try and find the line. I never, but you guys should keep talking. I never <laughs> felt like, um, I never felt like her friendship was like pining for a further relationship with him in that way. You know, she talks about the Mm -hmm. wives and it just doesn't feel like she envies them at all, that she much prefers what she had with him. Right. But Um, how wife too is completely convinced that there's no way their friendship can be a friendship. Right. There's clear, they're clearly sleeping together. There must be something going on. Well, you know, and it makes you wonder the, uh, the opposite way of two of like, did he have three wives because he kept getting like this emotional and, um, friendship support from this lovely person. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, I didn't even really think about that. Um, that, you know, that we are our own enemies. 
Yeah. This book, um, Ruth, you'd kind of mentioned this earlier that this this book is, I have to imagine, unexpectedly timely. I don't know how recently yeah, she wrote this, right? but it, it, it feels like... It takes a while to publish a book. It takes a while to long, translate long a book. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how... It's, it's in, yeah. I it, mean, there's a very, there's a great moment um, of talking about uh, the professor in class calls people dear, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and they oh, all, yeah. all of the students, all the female students get together in that class and write him a letter that says, do not call us dear anymore. And she tries to see both sides and remembers that she liked being called dear, but because it had a, like a sort of sexual charge to it. Mm-hmm. So, and like the discussion of that is one of the huge pleasures of this book is like looking at it from this sort of thing that if you saw it online, you would think like, oh, what a sleazy professor. Right. But also examines like actually in class when there was a moment that it was nice, that it was acceptable. Right. There's also um, the, I love reading acknowledgments. Oh, yeah. And the last line of the acknowledgments is, thank you, Lauren Stein, because an excerpt of this appeared in the Paris Review. And there's just like that, which I imagine it like she was very excited. I imagine that part of this book appeared in the Paris Review. And of course, she's grateful to the book being there and for that support. But also, there's no way you can read that sentence today in the same way you did six months ago. Right. So nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I sort of I think that this is like a really beautiful um exploration of like pet ownership and like literary pet ownership. Mm. Um and I don't know, I was I was looking at this book right afterwards, um Brawlyology out from uh, Melville House. Is this the umbrella one? Yeah, that's just like study of umbrella and <laughs> sh- um that that writer was looking at it um and uh, and saying like I was originally just gonna like talk about all the umbrellas in literature, <laughs> but that turned out to be a huge task. Right. Um, instead, I'm not gonna do that at all. Uh, and <laughs> and I think in the same way, there's like there's a really a lot of fun. Like you wouldn't have expected this author to have had a relationship with dogs, but sh- not only will you you'll know like about it and how it relates to her as well. Oh yeah, which is really cool. Um, I read most of this book sitting up in the middle of the night with my new puppy uh-huh. who had just gotten spayed <laughs> and so i was like she just she wasn't sleeping and so my girlfriend and i were taking turns mm-hmm. staying up with her and there there was something about seeing all of these other people and their relationships with dogs and the things that i am i i grew up with dogs too and i've always had this thought where sometimes you look and you think wow you've got like really sharp teeth and you're really fast you walk on four legs, you're covered in fur, you cannot understand a thing I'm saying, and yet I've not only welcomed you into my house, like you're one of the most important things in my life. Yeah, and she really does explore that. Yeah. Yeah, that that sort of um sort of inherent danger, especially cuz like the dog, the dog out, so outweighs <laughs> her. Yeah. And if it doesn't want to do something, she can't make it do anything. Like yeah. those scenes where she's on the street with the dog and the dog is like, "Nope, I'm not moving anymore." <laughs> <Just> like- <laughs> yeah. It's it's um it's fascinating. I've seen I've seen that too. Like I've seen the you know, the woman with the enormous dog and the dog's just like, Oh 
I'm just going to chill here for a minute. And you're just like, yeah, this is like, we both get something out of this relationship, but also it's weird that we do this. Yeah. Yeah. I used to walk an English Mastiff um, when I was Ooh. a dog walker, which are a really enormous dog, the Sandlot dog. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's pretty wild when you're like, you outweigh me on such a high, on, yeah. on, and it's really up to you where we're going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was lucky that that dog had an incredible memory. And so it would just walk up to people and be like, oh, hello. Like, oh, it's good <laughs> nice to see, to see you. <laughs> Thank, they'd like give, give the paw like, hello. <laughs> uh, I, That's I, cool. I, uh, I liked walking that dog, but it was also like always a thing. Like if you, that dog didn't want to leave the house, it was like, it's like, well, that's what you, you, yeah. you yeah. decide. <laughs> Let's just walk around the stairs. <laughs> one of the things that I really, I still can't find that line. It's going to drive me crazy. But one of the things that I really liked about this book too, is how, um, how it incorporated all this other art without it, like seamlessly pretty mm-hmm. much like the Lilia forever reference, like the whole Lilia forever story, disgrace, mm-hmm. yeah. um, all of the Balzac and Kafka and um, uh, the movie, the Hungarian movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, with the dogs? Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, White just, God, which is a great, it's a great, great movie. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were saying, just sort of like, it's such a pleasure to spend time in the mind of this person. Totally. Well, um, I, I can't, I mean, there are a lot of good books coming out this year. Yeah. But at this point, they're going to be hard pressed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, why I, don't we uh, recommend some other stuff? I mean, I don't want to. I mean, I, we're we're just going to talk about everything we love about the book, and people aren't going to be able to <laughs> love anything for themselves. <laughs> That's true. We read some pretty cool books. We recommend you take a look. Uh, okay, recommendations. Christopher, you start. Okay, I'm going to begin. Um, I returned to an, a comic series, uh, Sex Criminals, Volume Ooh. 4, came out uh, a few months ago. Back la- end of last year, uh, Volume 4 came out. And I thought that Volume 3 was a little odd, and it was sort of like getting off the rails of why I was interested in the series to begin with. But the fourth is so much fun and so good. Um, there's this one panel that I'm going to describe to you because obviously this is the way to... Um, Perfect for an audio medium. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but there's where someone's like long speech is interrupting tables of other people in the restaurant. Like the speech bubbles are making people dodge it. Um, oh, cool. And it's like upsetting things on the table and like people are like du- ducking underneath <laughs> this like long soliloquy that's going on. And it's hilarious and it's just something that those guys met. Uh, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky would do. And it was just like, yeah, I love these guys. They're hilarious. <laughs> they love comics so much. Um, so, and it's, it's just great. Um, it was really like a really fun way to continue the series. And it also seemed like, like they're, they're planning. It seemed like they're going to write this for a long time. Like it seems like they have a lot more story to tell in this universe, which is interesting. All right. And then I have one more and it's not a book. Um, it's a game. It's three bucks um, on iOS. It's called Florence, and it's the story of of a woman falling in love and then falling out of love. 
and it's a game so cool and it's it's sort of a game but not really like it's just little mini games um okay. one of the mini games is like you're having your first conversation with the guy she's falling with and you're just like moving pieces of the text bubble together um to form the text bubble you don't get any text there's no words um huh and then as the game as that little mini game continues it gets easier and easier to make the puzzle because it's easier and easier to talk to each other cool so it's little moments like that that sounds great it's i'm definitely fantastic. in the market for a new phone game and this one's called uh, it's it's called florence and it's out from this um annapurna the f- horror movie distributor i guess huh. they're in the mobile games now and it's um <laughs> gotta I, diversify he's gotta pivot yeah they're, they're distributing uh, mountains games i guess is the name of the creative team that put it together mountains cool um and it's just awesome it's so much fun Great. I'm gonna check that out. It's yeah, really and the art is really it's cool. Uh, Ruth, do you want to th- recommend something? Sure. So I um, there's two things I want to recommend. So the first I've already talked about, which is a terrible country, which mm-hmm. comes out um, July 10th, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's about this um, this thirty uh, something uh, like uh, professor of really he's kind of like an abd like professor of russian literature who's like kind of flailing in life and um his uh his grand he's 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 a russian immigrant he moved here when he was like you know very young he has a brother that's like 15 years older so he's american his brother's russian basically and they have a grandmother who's in moscow who's getting old and sick and has no one to take care of her and so one day the brother calls the main character and is like look I got it. I got a jet. Like I need to leave Moscow. Grandma needs someone to take care of her. It's your turn. And he's like, but I'm doing stuff. I can't go. And the brother's like, no, you're not. So, um, so he goes to Moscow to take care of his ailing grandmother. And, um, in the process, you know, uh, tries to figure out how he's Russian and how he's American, finds a hockey team to play with, learns a lot about his family. It's so funny. It's also really sad. It has a lot of, you know, contemporary relevance. It's set in 2008. So it's like pre mm. and post Putin in a way. It's like the Medvedev years. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just it's just it's just amazing. I love it so much. So that's one coming out in July. And then um, I've been reading this really old Rachel Cusk book. I know that her most recent one is coming out soon. But this is um, it's called A Country Life or The Country Life. Um, and it's a really like just straightforward novel with like a plot. It's not, it's not auto fiction. <laughs> cool. Um, and it's about this woman who like, I, I, I'm sensing a theme in the books that I like, who like leaves her life in London behind at like last minute <laughs> to go, um, to go sort of be a caretaker for, um, a young man, um, in this very like wealthy country family and like gets involved in all their family drama. Um, and it's really great. Mm. Cool. Nice. So I would recommend that as well. Oh, I that makes me think too of uh, we just had Gabe Habash on the show, and mm-hmm. he brought an Iris Murdoch novel, mm-hmm. and that that plot feels very Iris Murdoch. Mm-hmm. I love a good like English country weird family novel, yeah. whether it's scary or just like they're just weird people. Mm-hmm. This definitely has a little bit of like Cold Comfort Farm, ooh, uh-huh. to it, but it's also like just like really. Um, really 
dark and funny and like the family is so messed up and like (laughs) it's great i'm really enjoying it nice cool drew as i was reading the friend i was thinking of i was thinking of beetlebone and i was thinking of of fiction that i have loved that sort of it's not quite the Ben Lerner autofiction. And I was, uh, I was thinking a lot about like 1004 and leaving the Atosha station, but Beetlebone is one of the recommendations because I loved that book and I loved the effect of it's mostly a, a narrative about John Lennon when he just like fucked off and went to try and find this Island that he had bought on the coast of Ireland. Um, but then in the middle of it, there's this moment where Kevin Barry, the author interjects himself into this narrative and is like, I was trying to find John Lennon. And I think the novel could work without it, but the way the thing, the thing for me was how I was like, wow, this made me think differently about the novel. And the other novel that I was thinking about that does a similar thing is Alvaro Enrique's Sudden Death, Mm -hmm. which has several layers of like, I don't know, I'm trying to write this novel about Caravaggio. And then it's a novel about Caravaggio. And then it's a novel about a guy trying to write a novel about Caravaggio and then it's a novel about a guy who's trying to write a novel about a guy and they're like these weird layers of it um and it, it almost feels like the three books if you put them together are sort of like a progression of how to write how to inject yourself into your novel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to writing an autofictional novel have you read um out of sheer rage no oh so that's jeff dyer's book about trying to write a biography of dh lawrence okay it's amazing it's not a novel obviously but it has like a (laughs) lot of the same stuff that you were just talking about he's like i'm trying to write this biography of dh lawrence i can't do it i'm procrastinating all the time (laughs) like i I can't decide whether i should bring my dh lawrence books on vacation with me or not because if i bring them then i definitely won't work on it but if i don't (laughs) bring them then i'll just wish that i had them because i have all this time to work and it's like you know kind of chronic his failure to write a biography of D.H. Lawrence but in the process he actually writes a pretty good biography of D.H. Lawrence cool it's 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 amazing I love it so much it's like a, a meditation on procrastination basically <laughs> that sounds right up my alley yeah. Yeah. both in literature and in life yeah yeah that sounds amazing <laughs> wow oh well Ruth, thank you so much. Thanks for yeah, having me. This was so fun. Um, and all of you out there in Radioland, um, why don't y'all, we haven't had a single, oh, maybe by this time this will change. I hope by the time this comes out, this will change. <laughs> but at recording, we haven't had a single review written about the show since last year. Um, wow. So, you know, be the first of 2018 <laughs> to tell us how awesome we are. Uh, I hope that there's just a slew in March. And then, and so then when the, this, this comes, comes out, out, everybody's like, hey, <laughs> I already did this. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I would love for this to be out of date when I'm talking about it. But Great. I'm really sad thinking that it probably won't be. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, you can check out our Patreon. Um, we are gonna do. We have some fun things in store this year for folks that uh, subscribe at any level. Uh, Patreon.com slash SMDB. That's us. And... Check out the books that Emily Books puts out this year. Emilybooks.com. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks again, Ruth. Bye. Bye. And it just like, it was the perfect movie for us. Wow. Art's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Art around me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's cool? (laughs)
Art. <laughs> <laughs>